0: Good morning to you, people of Redeemer King and anybody else watching anywhere in the world this morning. You're so welcome to join us on our continuing series, P is for Pandemic, where we scribble out ruthlessly the word pandemic and write in bold lettering a new word. This morning's word is progress. P is for progress. My name is Andy Kind. Blessed be the fruit. We've been sent good weather. And so as a result of that, I thought I would record from a slightly different part of my flood. I have progressed to a different part of my flat. Normally I sit in my red leather armchair, but I think visually that's just a little bit tedious now. So I've moved to my rocking leather lazy boy. I'm like an old man in a John Wayne film. All I need now is a banjo and a spittoon and some sarsaparilla. I'm sure somebody will arrange that for me for my birthday. I'm wearing the bowler hat not just because I have the finest collection of bowler hats in North Derbyshire, but also because. In the corner, in the red leather armchair, there's a lovely warm light. This is a bit more washed out. So if I take my hat off, you'll see there's a lot of screen glare there, just from the scalp. It's like a J.J. Abrams film. So I'm wearing the bowler hat, and now I've done my housekeeping, I can sit back, relax, and enjoy the talk. Pete is for progress. They say you become like what you behold. Another way of saying that is simply we become our choices. And that was true even for Jesus. Jesus said, I only do what I see my father doing, which simply means that Jesus was faithful to his closest relationship. He modelled the person and followed the example of the person that he was closest to. I think a lot of us do that as well, but in this time of pandemic and lockdown, the person that we're closest to is actually not a real live person at all, but TV. It's a screen, our main interface, our primary interface. Is with Netflix or Amazon Prime or BBC One or whatever it is that you watch. If you live alone, probably the person that you hear most from are the people on the screen that you're watching. And a lot of us, again, have been brought up just watching films. And when we we watch these films, we study them, we observe them, and then we appropriate them. We... Look at the themes and the motifs and the structures of the stories that are being told that we're absorbing over and over again in in different ways. Because there's only seven basic plots, Christopher Booker says, in his story. So you see the same story played out just with different characters. We observe these things and then we pull them over ourselves like a duvet. We cover ourselves with these themes and storylines. So the person that we're closest to at times is Hollywood, or the the themes and storylines of Hollywood. And that can be very dangerous. There can be a temptation to think that our life is following a recognizable three-act structure. Like any like any play or any or any film or any book, a three-act structure. And at some point we think around the end of Act 2, we will learn the lessons we need to overcome the monster or to destroy our demons and to go after that happy ending that we think we're entitled to because that's what all the films have told us. I think we can be tricked into thinking that that's how life is. And certainly a lot of us see our lives as a quest, a quest movie, a quest for something Just over the horizon. Because no one has the happy ending at the start of a film. No one has the MacGuffin that they're going afterwards, that they're going after right at the start of the film. There has to be a quest, there has to be progression. And so we take this on board and we think, okay, so what is it that I'm going after? What is it that's over the horizon, somewhere over the rainbow, literally, just out of reach? What is it I'm on a quest for? And normally it's unconditional love, but it might be, it might be power, it might be success, it might be some kind of achievement. But that's how we order our lives. Whatever we believe about the universe, we're all trying to live out a storyline, often that we've we've appropriated from these films that we've taken on board. And we've just accepted, well, that's how life is. It's, it's a brute fact. But Life isn't like that. Your life doesn't follow an easily recognisable three-act structure. Most people's lives finish before the end of Act Three. You don't know when production's going to be shut down on your life. You don't know when the curtain's going to fall. This quest objective, somewhere over the horizon, is not a guarantee. Your happy ending is not a guarantee. It's not just simply part of what it means to be human. So within that then, what does it mean to progress? What are we progressing from and to? And how do we get there? How do we get this happy ending that everybody really wants? In his book, The Seven Basic Plots, Christopher Booker says that most stories, whether they are a comedy or a tragedy or a rags-to-riches, they're about the pursuit and the search for the beloved other. What all the characters are wanting is this union with the beloved other, that one thing, relationship or state of being in which there is fullness and happiness. And again, in Lord of the Rings, it's, it's the Shire. It's a voyage and return, and the beloved other is, is getting home, just going home. But it might be, it might be a, a damsel or a, a princess. It might be, you know, the head of the board. Whatever the beloved other is, it's that sense of fullness and well-being that the characters get at the end of the story. What I want to suggest this morning is that there is actually one real story where you can have your happy ending and you can have it now. The beloved other is Jesus. It's amazing, but it's not really that surprising that all storytelling has always been about this attempt to unify oneself with the beloved other. But you know, a long time ago in a galaxy not far away was the Word. In the beginning was the Word, the message, God's message was there in the beginning. God's story was there in the beginning and has been wired into the universe. God's not in a box, in a corner. God is hidden in plain sight and has wired his story into all of our stories. So it shouldn't be a surprise to us that all of these other stories are somehow trying to get this beloved other, this union with unconditional acceptance and love, even if they don't know what to call it, even if they give it different names. Love does have a name. The ultimate happy ending does have a name and his name is Jesus. What I want to talk about this morning is, is just that, that in the Gospel we find, we find that fulfilment. Relationship with Jesus is the treasure in Treasure Island. It is the coming out of black and white into glorious technicolour that you see in The Wizard of Oz or a matter of life and death. Relationship with Jesus is true love's kiss that turns a beast into a prince. It is Jenny Agatha running along the platform saying, my daddy, my daddy, in the railway children, my daddy, my daddy, Abba, Father. It is the relationship with Jesus. It's the happy ending. It's Robocop. No, it's not Robocop. It's not Robocop. But I want to argue that that fulfilment that all stories are trying to grasp at and that all religious stories are trying to grasp at but don't quite get to anywhere else. Find their fulfilment and their fullness in Jesus. But like any good story, there's a twist. There's a, a flipping at the end. And you know, it turns out that the quest was his. Jesus was on the quest to find you. You weren't Long John Silver looking for the treasure. You were the treasure and Jesus came to find you. We are not Robin Hood or Ivanhoe. We are the damsel in distress. And the twist at the end of the gospel story is that the hero has come to find us. It was his quest and all we have to do is allow ourselves to be rescued. So I want to go for a little walk and and, uh, talk about something practical when it comes to progress and progressing towards a goal. And then I'm gonna talk more about the theological, idealistic nature of progress and talk about that better story that we find all the other stories trying to grasp at. Here I am giving a little practical application of progress because there is a practical outworking of progress. You see I'm progressing towards either a, um, a swift-moving jogger or a very garishly dressed murderer. We'll find out in a matter of seconds whether I'm about to be slaughtered or whether I can continue on with my analogy. I hope they don't think that I'm just filming them like a low-budget London marathon. Anyway, what we're saying about progress is this. Morning. Sometimes I think... We use the phrase, two steps forward, three steps back. Let's say that we have a goal that we're aiming at, that we're trying to progress towards. A practical goal, it might be losing weight or it might be overcoming an addiction. We have pitfalls and we'll have times where we aren't making great progress. But what we do then is we think that we've actually stopped and gone backwards. So, you know, I was losing weight, I was doing really well, and then I had a pizza and I've gone backwards. But then what happens after that is what really stops progress from happening. Because we then decide that we've ruined it and we might as well go back. We might as well start eating all the pizza and drinking all the bourbon and all the Pepsi floats with ice cream in or whatever. Or we just go to the side of the road and we just sit down and collapse in a mood and decide that it's wasted. In Job, Job 17:9, it says, Nevertheless, the righteous will hold to his way. And he who has clean hands will grow stronger and stronger. The righteous person will hold to their way and grow stronger. The way you grow stronger, the way you make progress is by holding to the way by setting your face like flint and continuing to put one foot in front of another, not deciding that everything is ruined, not deciding that a step back is actually game over. You look forward, you put one foot in front of another, and you hold to your way. I was with some people at Lineker Reservoir recently talking about addiction and how we overcome, addiction. And again, they were of the opinion, they'd framed it in their minds that if they had a day where they fell into addiction again, well, again, they'd gone backwards and backwards and backwards and it was wasted and it was going to be a lot of effort to get back to the the point they just left. But how about we didn't see it like that? How about when we stumbled, we saw it just as that? We saw it as stopping on the way, but not having gone backwards, not having retreated or being forced back, just stumbling, falling to the ground. Because you know, if you stumble, you're still on the way. You're still in exactly the same place you were before you stumbled, so get up, hold your way, one foot in front of another, and keep going. Progress, practical progress in our lives is so much affected by how we frame these things how we think about these things if we just think of life as one long path towards a destination where a happy ending lies we're going to feel thwarted time and time again so i want to come on now to that better story about what progress actually is how we should actually see progress And talk more about that happy ending. So that's one way of looking at progress. There are these little side missions in your life where there is an objective reachable aim, whether that is learning a musical instrument or studying for a diploma or again trying to lose weight or overcome an addiction. These are little chapters in your life but they're not the big story. So what about progress when it comes to the grand narrative of your life, your real desire for that happy ending? How do we progress towards that? Well, if you don't mind, let's have a look at what the, the Bible says about it. Let's look at the book of Jonah, first of all. In the book of Jonah, Jonah's life um, is devastated by being eaten by a fish, which I think you know a lot of people's lives would be. And in the book of Jonah, it says, From deep in the realm of the dead I called for help. You brought my life up from the pit. Pit means grave. So for Jonah... He considered being eaten by this fish swallowed by this whale as as death it was his tomb he's in the realm of the dead but have a look at this this is a sculpture in the brooklyn museum by john b flanagan and if you look at the way it's been done if you look at the way he's created this piece of art the the belly of the fish doesn't look like a tomb at all it looks like a womb you see Jonah's life started to progress towards its fullness and its fulfillment at the point where he felt closest to death. At the point where he thought he was going to die, that's when his rebirth happened. He allowed his tomb to be his womb. C.S. Lewis in Mere Christianity said that the most progressive man is Him who turns around and goes back when he realises he's been on the wrong track. So for you, if you want that happy ending for your life, if you want the fulfilment and the closeness, the unity with that beloved other, the best thing, the most progressive thing you can do might be just to turn around. It might be to realise that you are not the main character in your story. That you're not the person with their name in lights. Every Christian has to do this. Every Christian has to realise that life is not a story about us. But you know, it's when we allow us as the main character to die that our real life, as best-supporting actor or actress can begin. Progress in in a Christian sense is, is not a quest for something out there over the horizon, but an acceptance of and a turning towards the God who is not far from any of us, as it says in Acts. He's not over the horizon, he's behind you, he's in front of you, he's hidden in plain sight. So we need to realise that we're not the main character in the story. And it's okay, because when we stay close to the lead actor, we'll still get loads of good lines. We can still win that best supporting role. And we can still be a star, but as you know from the universe, when the sun rises, all the stars go out. So it might be for you that you need to change your mind about who the star is, about who the main character is. In the story is that you're you're the damsel. You're not the conquering hero. In Amos 5, let's find Amos 5. It says, this is what the Lord says. Seek me and live. Do not seek Bethel. Do not go to Gilgal. Do not journey to Beersheba. For Gilgal will surely go into exile and Bethel will be reduced... To nothing seek the Lord and live progress isn't about going on a physical journey progress is actually about learning to be in relationship with God and, and listening to him and following him progress is seeking God and living <laughs> seeking God and living and he's not over the horizon He's right here. Seek the Lord and live John 14 Jesus says because I live you will live also. In John 10 John 10:10 10, 10, it says I've come that you can have life in abundance life in all its fullness. If you want that happy ending you don't have to go halfway around the world. You can just today say Jesus would you would you come into my life and would you would you be the main character I'm happy to take a step back and let you have all the best lines if you'll just let me follow you. Because as with Jonah is the case for us, disaster always seems disastrous, the clue's in the name, but actually the, the paradox of the Gospel is that those who try to save their lives will lose it those who give up their lives for the sake of Jesus and the gospel will find their true purpose and will progress towards that state of being that we we were born for, which is relationship with God, knowing him and enjoying him forever. You know, if you want to ask a question about Harry Potter, you can contact the author, J.K. Rowling. If you've got questions about your own life, well, contact the author. (laughs) Speak to the author of life. If you want to know how these things play out, if you want to know how best to navigate the story, contact the author. And that's what progress might mean for you. It might just mean looking a bit closer to home. We're nearly finished. You know, you can't go back in time. You can't actually go back. You actually do have to progress forward in in time. But progress for you might mean turning from the path that you've you've been on in terms of patterns of behaviour or thought processes. In Luke 9 verse 62, Jesus says, you know, once you put your hand to the plough, you can't look back. You can't plough a straight furrow by looking back. You, know, you can't walk in a straight line if you've got your, your sight over your right shoulder. If you want to make real progress in this life, stay close to Jesus and walk forward with him. Following Jesus is by its very nature progressive because we are following. We're following and we're following the only person who really knows where he's going. No one else has a clue. Jesus is the true north on our life's compass. Uh, Philippians 3.13, Paul says, forgetting what is past and straining towards what is ahead. You've got to let the past die. Whatever disasters you're going through, or whatever disasters you've been through, let them die, let the seed fall to the ground and let the tomb be the womb for what's to come. And let the author of life birth in you that beloved existence that he promises. Because there's lots of things that Jesus doesn't promise you. He doesn't promise you a happy ending on your terms. He doesn't promise you that you'll be the head of the board. He doesn't promise you that Father Christmas is real. But he promises you fullness of joy in his presence. He promises you freedom in its most abundant sense. following him is, by its very nature, progressive. If, If Christianity isn't true, then life is just a series of unfortunate events ending in extinction. But because of Jesus, progress doesn't simply mean stepping towards oblivion, which is what is the case if there is no God, if atheism is true, the only thing we're progressing towards is the pit, is the grave, is annihilation. But because of the gospel, because of that best story that all the other stories are grasping towards, as it says in 2 Corinthians 3, we're not going to death, to the pit. We're going from glory to glory. This is what progress means in a Christian sense. It's going from glory to glory. And you do that by acknowledging you're not the main character in the story, but just staying close to the guy who is. We're the sidekick. (laughs) So be the sidekick. And you'll be amazed what happens. Spiritually speaking then, progress is not so much about moving further up but moving further in. The stairway to heaven is not a property ladder. It's not the career ladder. Mr. Beaver in The line, the Witch in the Wardrobe, when he meets the four Pevensey children, he says, come further in. So spiritual progress for somebody not currently following Jesus simply looks like learning more about him, getting to know him, doing an Alpha course or whatever it is, asking questions moving in that direction for somebody in Christ spiritual progress is simply becoming more and more like Jesus undergoing the hard process of sanctification with unveiled faces we are being transformed more and more into the likeness of Jesus that's what progress is and you know some of this won't get sorted out this side of eternity some of the stuff that we're journeying towards now is not going to be completed whilst we're here on Earth. But once we decide to be with him on that journey, God is pleased even with our stumbles. As a parent is pleased when a toddler falls over learning to walk. Because it's progress. So stumbling, falling down is not something that God is displeased with once we decided to journey with him come further in, come closer to Jesus. That's what progress looks like.